It's Third and Central Podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Live from the burn, here's your host. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Third and Central Podcast, the only podcast dedicated entirely to the University of Louisville baseball program. This is your host, Matt Sefcovic, and as always, joined by Aaron Turner. Aaron, couldn't ask for a better time of the year other than opening day of baseball season. Football team's on a roll to start the season. Leagues are starting to fall. It's getting cool here. Fall baseball's ramping up. How's everything going out your way? Couldn't have said it any better than myself. It's a great time of year. A lot of things to look forward to. Another great guest coming on tonight. I'm very excited. I'm super excited about the series we've got going on right now, the off-season Diamond Dialogues. If you didn't catch the last episode, we had Cade McClure on, who is just – Cade's the best. I mean, he, I loved having him on. And I think – I guess we have this uh, episode with JT Benson. It's going to be just as action-packed. As we all know, he's a local standout from South Oldham High School <clears throat> right here in Crestwood. So excited to have JT on tonight. But before we jump into those things, we do have a few – things going on within the program, which this time of the year is a little odd, but there's been a few decommits from the 2025 class. Over the past couple weeks, I guess six weeks, a month, month and a half, we've had three players from 2025 decommit. One of them being KJ Scobie from Florida, Caden Crowell, and Jordan Keeveman. Keeveman and Crowell, they're not guys that were as highly ranked, but they're definitely guys we wanted to keep in the class, right? They're not somebody we wanted to let go with Caden already find a new destination, the ACC with Notre Dame. He also had a visit to Tennessee and canceled a visit that was lined up to LSU. So it's not like you didn't have other options. What do we take of that? I know I've, I've got a lot of DMs on Twitter about this. I've had a lot of people reach out like, what's going on? You know, freaking out because we're losing three guys this close to the class. What, what do you make of all this? You know, I think it's pretty easy to panic. We've missed the postseason to the last three years. Didn't even make the ACC tournament last year. So I definitely think that it is a little bit easy to panic. And when you see all these decommits, I think it's important to take a step back, have some, have a little bit of perspective and see, okay, maybe there's a different reason for why they're leaving. We know that Dan has been outspoken about a lack of facilities that are, you know, keeping up with the rest of the ACC. You look at Caden Crowell and him going to Notre Dame. You know, if there's one school in the ACC that can't compete in facilities, it's Notre Dame. I, I do think that they had their facilities are lesser than Louisville's. And so, you know, it's not a facilities thing at that point. So, you know, maybe we didn't have, you know, maybe NIL money. I don't know. But also, you know, we've seen Dan start to utilize transfer portal a little bit and that, that transfer money has to come from somewhere. So maybe they're, they are retooling that class reworking it a little bit so they can bring in transfers. I'm not really sure what the situation is, but you know, we've, we know Dan McDonald and you know, I don't think there's any reason to panic right now. I agree with you. And I think you bring up some really good points. And I think depending on the player and the recruit, I think the scenario changes a little bit. You know, there could be a situation where, like you said, maybe the staff has decided they want to, you know, utilize their time and their resources 
in a different way and maybe put that time and those resources towards transfer portal players. I think we're starting to see that in college football, college basketball. You know, the classes are – high school classes are getting smaller because these coaches are starting to just rely on portal guys. You know, so is that something the staff is going to look to next year to use more? Probably not a bad thing. We, You know, we've seen that be very successful. Look what LSU did this past year. So that's certainly not a bad playbook to use. On the flip side of that, you talked about facilities. You know, I've, I've personally talked to recruits that have not come to Louisville because of facilities. I know that got blown up, you know, last year when Dan talked about it after the season. Sure, that's not the reason we're not winning games, but I have had, you know, players tell me, hey, that's that's why I'm not going to the University of Louisville. And that's a problem. So something that needs to be addressed, but I agree with you. It, there's There's no room to panic. There's no real reason to panic at this point in time until we see this continue to be a problem and us not utilize the transfer portal and get guys that way, you know, next summer. Yeah. I mean, I think this was brought up last or sorry, a couple of weeks ago with Kate as well. And he kind of touched on it about how, you know, the coaching staff at Louisville, they've been around the block a few times together. They, they've, you know, we've been very fortunate to have the same core group of coaches stick together, but in a way, you know, maybe they were a little bit stuck in their ways now that, you know, the transfer portal has paid off for other schools. I think that that could be a model that we start to follow a little bit. So I think that, you know, if we get to 2025 and we start to add those impact transfers, then we can look back on this and say, okay, then then it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. And like you said, you know, this coaching staff has been here, Dan McDonald, Roger Williams, they've been here together since 2007. They've recruited the exact same way. They've developed the exact same way. So, it's probably hard as a coach to, you know, just completely uproot the way you have been one of the top programs in the country and have to adjust that model. So I, I don't really have any concerns with what's going on right now. Love to see the three guys that we lost stick with us, obviously, because I think they could be a big piece of the puzzle moving forward. But it's the new age of college athletics, and that's just kind of where we are. And that's you know, there's been some stuff circulating in football now that, you know, these guys are wanting money to, just to take a visit to your school. I'm not saying that's trickled down to college baseball, but it's just a it's a completely new era right now. And uh, I, I think all the coaches, players, everybody, they're just trying to adjust to this new crazy NIL thing. Uh, one more one more point about this. If you go look at the recruiting class on the, on the perfect game or PBR website and, you know, Paul Louisville's class of 24, 25, 26, whatever it may be, you'll see that we are plenty loaded. So, you know, it's not fun to see some of those names go, but we're going to be just fine. Yeah, that's one thing that Aaron, I, you, we've talked about that quite a bit just ourselves is how stacked these next two classes are. You know, 2023 was a good class, and we got everybody on campus, which was a feat in itself, because that typically doesn't happen. But 2024 and 2025, those classes are just loaded. I mean, we, not that we want to lose a guy or two or three, but if we do, not going to be the end of the world. Just hit the portal in the summer and just re regroup and rebuild. And since we're talking about the transfer portal and NIL and all this fun stuff that's going on, Aaron, I would 
we had a conversation the other day and I kind of want to build on it a little bit about coach prime Deion Sanders and what he's done at Colorado and kind of if there's a coach or a player former major league baseball player or I guess a present player that you think could make an impact on college baseball like coach prime has made on college football you know all the lights are on Colorado right now they're going to play in primetime not to that's no pun intended there they're going to play on primetime television as long as he's there the ratings they've been putting up are just silly they played a game you know, Saturday night against Colorado State, who they were favored by 23 points at start at 1030 Eastern time, and the ratings were just through the roof. Is there a guy that you can think of that, you know, would have this kind of – obviously not that big, but scale to college baseball? Who would be the Deion Sanders of college baseball? You know, when, when you posed this question a couple of days ago, this was a this was a really big struggle for me to, to sit there and think of a guy that – could have that same impact on baseball as, as Sanders does in football. And truthfully, I don't think that there's any comparison to Sanders. I think that he is just a personality on his own. There's nobody that's going to come close to him. But for the sake of the question, I do. my first choice would be Mookie Betts. I think Betts has a massive personality. He's on the fast tracks of the Hall of Fame right now. Super fun guy. And I, I definitely definitely can see him being, you know, a, a very big players coach if you know if that's what he wanted to do after he retired. And you know, we've talked a lot about about primetime. We've talked a lot about Deion Sanders and his ability to play multiple sports with baseball, football. If you've ever watched Mookie Betts, you know that he can do it all. If Mookie Betts wanted to be a professional football player, he could. Professional basketball player, he could. Professional bowler, even. He's got multiple 300 games. I My pick here is Mookie Betts, and you know it's kind of a struggle to think of anybody else that I think could come close. Yeah, I can't, the two names that I came up with, and maybe just because back when I was younger, it was the, you know, the guy that I looked up to and who you wanted to be was King Griffey Jr. You know, he's just, he's smooth. He's got that swagger. You know, they called him the kid for a reason. Everybody wanted to be King Griffey Jr. I think he's, I think he's got that, that it factor that would probably bring a lot to the game. I also think Derek Jeter and not that he has the, the personality for it, I guess, but I think he just demands that respect. You know, he's a guy that when he walks in the room, I think everybody, everybody's going to listen to what Derek Jeter has to say. Um, he's been very professional the way he's gone about his business during his career. You know, you never see Derek Jeter in the news for doing anything silly or out of the ordinary that he shouldn't be doing. So I think he's a guy that the younger players would look up to. And I, I think he could, no, I, obviously, no one's going to have the Deion Sanders effect. That that's not going to happen in college baseball. But I think those two guys, plus Mookie, like you mentioned, could be three guys that could make a big splash in college baseball. Here's one that we we didn't talk about yet, and not a, a current or former player. What do you think about Tony Vitello? You know, he he kind of in my you know whenever Vitello and Tennessee are playing you're just kind of watching and waiting for something to happen. Usually it's not a positive thing. A, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people don't like Vitello for his, his antics, but you know, you kind of love him or you hate him. Uh, that's kind of the right. same vibe I get from Dion right now. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a really actually good comparison because I tell you, he's he's that guy. You know, he's one bad call away from just causing the biggest scene on the field and cussing umpires. Hell, he's had assistant coaches and pitching coaches get thrown out of the game before. So I think last year, didn't they have a, a trainer or a video guy get tossed from their dugout? And he yep. just welcomes that environment. That's just who he is. His players play with a ton of swagger. That's just, I mean, that's just, they have a lot of fun, you know, love it or hate it. And I, I hate Tennessee, but I love watching them play because they just draw you in. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's kind of a spectacle in itself. Whenever, whenever Tennessee is, is playing on TV, it's definitely a must watch college baseball game. And I think it's interesting too, you know, you and I have had a lot of conversations about Vitello and, I don't think that you or I are really big fans of his, but I think we both respect him because it's obvious that he's well, if he's very good at what he does. He's also one heck of a recruiter. Like, you know, you can have all those antics on the field and you can still march into pretty much any household in the country and say, I want your kid and he's going to, he's going to pull it off. I think first off, he's a player's coach. You know, they love him. They want to play for him because he lets them be, loose on the field you know they can they can do those things they have a lot of freedom in between the lines and I think a lot of college baseball coaches in general at all levels that's kind of frowned upon and the fact that he embraces it and welcomes it you know I I think I think it shows um like you said look at how well he's recruiting he came into Louisville and took a guy from Trinity you know that I think Louisville probably love to have so I, I think that's a that's a really good example as well uh, I, I love watching him and Dave Van Horn at Arkansas. Their two teams get together and go at it. But I think Vitello yeah. obviously it doesn't have the the name recognition as obviously Deion Sanders, but he's quickly become kind of the villain in college baseball. Get uh, get Tony Vitello a sunglasses deal, and we'll see what he can do. <laughs> uh, so enough of that talk. Let's let's go ahead and jump over to some cards in the pros. I know we're kind of winding down towards the end of the season, but that doesn't mean there's been some really, really exciting stuff happen. And Aaron, we could talk on the podcast tonight and talk all the baseball we want in the world, but I know this is, this is what you live for. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you and let you talk about some super exciting stuff that just happened this week. You know, it's awesome that we got to record on the same day that this happened. As soon as I saw the news, I was like, okay, like this is be front and center on the podcast in the first little part. Tyler Fitzgerald is a major league baseball player. He got the call up today. He is in the starting lineup tonight's game in LA. He is going to be playing center field, which we did not see him do. And that's kind of a new, uh, kind of a new aspect of his game. He's going to be playing center field and batting ninth for the giants tonight. You know, giants, they, they need a little bit of a spark right now. They're, I want to say two or three games out of the playoffs. And they need a late push. And, you know, that a lot of people have said that the Giants are probably one of the most boring teams in baseball to watch. And Tyler Fitzgerald kind of brings brings a spark to that clubhouse. He's a back-to-back 2020 seasons. I'm super excited to see what he can do. I, I think I've been getting on here and talking about how Fitzgerald should be a major leaguer since probably June. And so it's it's awesome to see that finally happen. I'm super excited for him and his family and, just super pumped to see what, what he does here. Yeah, you text me today and said, we need to talk about Tyler Fitzgerald tonight. And I'm like, okay, cool. He had a home run or two or something. And Aaron's really, really excited. And 
I had, I didn't know what happened because I was at work. And so I get on Twitter and I was like, whoa, Tyler Fitzgerald's a major league baseball player. Like oh. that's, that's just really, really cool. And it just gives me cold chills just thinking about it because obviously that's, you know, as a baseball player, you know, growing up, that's, that's the dream, right? That's where everyone wants to get to. So just seeing his name in a box score, you know, attached to the San Francisco Giants, it doesn't really get any cooler than that for him. Yeah. So that is, um, for those of you who keep score at home, that is Louisville's 29th Major League Baseball player and 26 under Dan McDonald, which is just an absurd number. Yeah, that's that's super impressive to think where, you know, even the struggles that we've had the past couple of years and missing the tournament and all that stuff that's happened. We, we know that that's in the rearview mirror. We're trying to move on beyond that now. But just think about where this program was 2006 and prior and where it's been since, you know, from before Dan got here, the program all time had, you know, three major leaguers. And now we have 29 just, you know, 15, 16, 17 years later. It's just really impressive what he's been able to do here and just hoping that 2024 we can get right back on the right foot and get this thing back to Omaha where we belong. Yep. So a couple more pro, pro notes, and then we'll go ahead and get to the interview with JT Benson here. Uh, Michael Prosecki led all of low-A baseball this season in ERA with a 2.72 ERA. He was just straight dominant for the Fresno Grizzlies this season in the California League. Then also, you know, we're coming down to the end. There's it's championship season. Uh, Ryan Hawks won the California League championship with the California, or sorry, the Modesto Nuts. And Tate Keener won the Arizona Complex League championship with the Brewers. I just want to throw it out there that when you start rattling off all these like minor league baseball team names. I just every one of them make me chuckle, like the the trash pandas and all this crazy stuff that they come up with. I just what you know them. So like, what are some of your favorite minor league baseball team names? Their mascots. Oh, you know, you already mentioned the trash pandas. That's a pretty good one. Uh, the Mets Double A affiliate is the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of it, but the, you know, that's pretty out there. You've got the Montgomery Biscuits, which is the double A affiliate for the Rays. Are they just like a, a can of like biscuits running around the field? I, I honestly don't know what that mascot looks like. Okay. That that's a, that's gonna be one that I'll have to look into. Uh yeah, the Modesto Nuts that, that Ryan Hawks has been playing for the last few weeks. That's a fun one. Uh, man, you really put me on the spot here. <laughs> Well, anyways, let's go ahead and jump into the conversation with JT. And we are now joined by JT Benson. JT, thanks for hopping on with us tonight and talking a little baseball. I know you're busy with school and baseball and everything, so we just appreciate you taking a couple minutes to hop on with us this evening. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, we'll go ahead and jump into things um, and kind of go in chronological order, just going back to your time as a, a high school prospect at South Oldham. Um, was Louisville always your dream school? Kind of did you ever look around? Did you consider anywhere else or did, did you know you wanted to play for the Cardinals? 
you know, baseball wise, I've always wanted to play here. I grew up, you know, around Louisville baseball and I came here with my parents and honestly the Vipers baseball organization I played for growing up, like we had a huge connection with them. I mean, Coach Cheeseboro was here a while ago. He was actually uh, my, you know, eight U, nine U hitting coach. Like he, he coached the Vipers and stuff, but Brable took over when we were about 12. And so I built a relationship there, but baseball wise, a hundred percent. What what do you, What's it like, you know, playing this close to your hometown, you know, being able to play in front of your, you know, friends and family and all that. What's that like? You know, it's, it's awesome. It's a, it's a blessing and it's not disguised at all. Like today I just went home and, you know, my sister came home from college, ate my family 20 minutes, come right back. And um, just, just seeing the guys that aren't from around here and um, them, you know, missing their families, going to be around their families. It's, it's definitely a blessing. Yeah. That's definitely a luxury that probably most of the players don't get. So it's, it's good to be close to family. It's, it's always good to go home. Oh yeah. You know, you were a four-year letter winner in both baseball and football at South Oldham. Was there ever part of you that said, well, maybe I want to do both, or maybe it was just going to be football in college? Yeah, I, I really – my freshman year of high school, I was, you know, dedicated to football. So I wasn't going to, you know, just stick to football only. I was going to keep playing baseball. But uh, my freshman year went down to Middle Tennessee State, um, got invited to camp down there. Uh, Louisville wanted me uh, as a, you know, walk on here but that was before I even played baseball you know like that was before I talked to Mac Snides any of them so that's really what I was focused on and then you know Snides asked me to camp my sophomore year and from there uh, baseball was really my main focus but you know I miss it for sure football football is under Friday night lights is actually unless you experience it it's it's something amazing I remember watching videos of you when you played you know at South on the football team I was like you know this this kid's got a future plan football if he wants it, but obviously you chose the chose the baseball route which we're we're happy you did so (laughs) so you've got two uncles that played college football at Kentucky right so did they ever attempt to sway you you know away from Louisville and push you towards you know playing for Kentucky or what's what's that family dynamic like you know I (laughs) they never never pushed Kentucky upon me because uh that's their, their goal for me was just, you know, make it to the next level. And then from there, you know, it, it's all the same, right? So it doesn't matter what team you get drafted by. It doesn't matter what team you play college for. Just keep making it to the next level. But, you know, they're they're honoring. Let's just say that they're from down eastern Kentucky, southeastern <laughs> Kentucky. Like they they were they were, you know, they were hard on me growing up just to even make it to the next level. So, no, they they weren't happy to hear that I was going to the rival school. <laughs> but, but you know, they, they knew what this baseball program was about and – it, they said it's changed a lot, the Kentucky program, you know, since then anyway. So they've just, they were big football guys as much as they were baseball, both pitchers. So did, uh, did you ever get them in like Louisville gear yet? Is, do they have any, any red in their closet or is it still all blue? No, it's, it's in the closet. Let's just say that. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I gifted them a couple of things, but it's, no, it's, it's in the closet. They don't. <laughs> So let's go back to your freshman year. You step on campus. Who are some of those upperclassmen that, that kind of took you under their under their wing and, and showed you the ropes that first semester and first season at uh, at Louisville? Um, the the first person I really talked to on campus was Luke Brown. Uh, he he had just he just came in and you know his his younger brother. I just got done playing in the state semifinals for football. You know I yeah I played Bowling Green and um, he's same age as I am. So like. He, he was like, hey, like, I just came to the game a couple weeks ago, you know, like, 
my brother's a safety that you tried to hurdle and it didn't work out very well. I heard, you know, and <laughs> he was giving me crap about that. But after that, he ended up being my best friend. I mean, I talked to him every day and uh, he, he took me under his wing. But since since Logan and I, you know, we've always we grew up together, you know, we were big weight room guys. Henry, Henry was really hard on us as as uh, as you may not know him. He's he's pretty, pretty bold in the things he says. So he was straightforward with us. He's like, hey, you keep working hard no matter what happens this year. Just like just trust it. And, you know, he, he pushed us a little bit, too. There is nothing that I hear about Henry Davis that ever surprises me anymore. Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, he's he, he was straight to the point. Let's just say that. So a follow up to that, you know, other side of the coin. Now you're an upperclassman. Who are some of the younger guys this year, maybe last year that you've taken under your wing? You know, last year it was really Tucker Bivin for me. He was a he was a you know Southern Indiana guy, and uh, I've, since he got on campus, he was the only guy that ever gave me you know, run for my money in the squat side of things. Right. So, you know, I, I was like, I, I see it right here. Here's a little competition. So you know, I loved his grit and I loved his worth at work ethic. And, you know, when you see that at an early age, like, especially knowing how I was like, I really wanted, wanted to see him succeed. And, you know, he's done his part this year, this year, I haven't really found a specific one because all of them are pretty dang competitive. So I I've really been impressed with them and, you know, they're going to keep working hard. So I got to find one is what it sounds like. From everything I've heard, just don't pick on Zion, whatever you do. Oh, he's, yeah, he's, <laughs> he came in, he came in definitely with some definition, but. We're, we're... <laughs> um, so let's kind of catch up to this season. In March, you all went down and played in the Shriners uh, Children's College Classic down in Houston, yes, Major League Baseball Park at Minute Maid Park. And you hit a home run while you're down there. What's that kind of like, you know, having that experience of hitting a home run in a major league baseball park for you? Yeah, the the running joke was this year was I can only hit a homer in a minor league stadium because when we went to Durham <laughs> or a major league stadium because we went to Durham, that, that kind of happened. But no, it was it was an awesome experience, especially, you know, that first couple, you know, two weeks I didn't play much. Like there was there was a bunch of competition. We're still, you know, figuring all that out. So no, it was it was a blessing for sure. And that was like one of the first trips my parents got to go on like and stay for a little vacation. My sister made it. You know, it was it was a big moment for me, for sure. Let's talk about NIL here. You know, NIL has drastically changed the landscape of college sports. And for anybody who that follows you on social media, they would see that you were on a little two week run of giving some fishing tips. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you were sponsored there by the Kentucky Department of Conservation. Tell us how that kind of came about and, and what the, those conversations are like when you're putting those types of deals together. Yeah, it's it's definitely new now to the to the sports world, but they're they're even newer to it. Like they would never even think, hey, like I'm spending 90 percent of my time with wildlife and, you know, <laughs> like who's this guy, you know, but I, I met him. Uh, Brian Blank was the name. He's the marketing director at Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife. He came upon, you know, our NIL coordinator, one thing happened to another. And uh, I got his number, talked to him. He's like, hey, you love hunting, you love fishing, you love being outdoors. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, all right, I got something for you, you know. So I told him I made like 15 posts of, you know, giving safety tips or whatever. And I'll tell you what, the first couple were, it's like, it's it's weird for sure. <laughs> like just standing in front of him by yourself, like fishing, making a camera. But no, the the deal is pretty cool. And as much as, you know, he may be benefiting me, like it's, it's big benefit for them too. And that's, what's important. I'm not gonna lie. I was pretty entertained scrolling through, scrolling through those, the, the two week of, uh, of fishing tips. So that was pretty fun. 
Uh, so just think about NIL as a whole, what are your thoughts on it? You know, and kind of how it's changed the overall landscape of college athletics. It's new for sure. It's, it's almost like recruiting. It, it seems like a, a more advanced recruiting, but you know, here in our program, like that's, that's not what, what we've been about yet. Like we haven't been about giving these people the, a lot of money or, you know, give them whatever a car, like some of these guys, you know, coming into the cars, but no, we're, we're sticking to the whole, you know, you come here to play baseball as much as you may be promoting yourself. Like, I, I think that's probably, it's like a foundation, a moral thing for us. You know, like we're here to play baseball, not here to get paid, you know, but it's, it's cool. I, I see it a lot in the football world, how it could, it could help for sure. You know, you got Deion Sanders as your head coach, you know, he's <laughs> bringing you in glasses. Like I, I see it. It's pretty cool. But. Aaron and I just had a conversation kind of about NIL and, you know, roster management going forward and things like that. How have you seen, Obviously, like you said, this program has been built around something different. How do you see recruits viewing that if they can, let's say, go get money or a car or something somewhere else? Yeah, it's it's all that's all personal, right? It's your name, it's your image, your likeness. So you you are obligated to do whatever you want with those three things right there. And if if pursuing a program that's, you know, offering you a little bit more NIL, like I'm I'm all for it. Go do what you do. But just know that, like, if you come to this program, like it's it's bigger than that. You know, it's, it's about championships. And I, I think that's, what's, it, it's hard to, it's hard to see people, you know, decommit or, you know, leave a school because of that. But like, I understand, I, I also am not going to be mad at you because I, I understand. So everybody wants to get paid. Right. So if right. that, <laughs> yeah, everybody wants to, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to be mad at you, but you know, yeah, that's what makes just, the world go around. Right. So let's kind of flip the script a little bit to 2024. You know, twenty last season had some bumps in the road. Obviously, didn't end the way we all wanted it to. Right. Um, but that's in the rearview mirror now. We're looking forward to next season. Right. Uh, this roster, there's a lot returning, a lot of talent, a lot of you know transfers coming in with high hopes. Like you talked about the recruiting class, the freshman class on campus. Um, you know, a lot of praise with those young guys too. What's it like playing in front of a younger, talented group um, like Lippy and Forbes and Dickerson? Because I know they constantly push you out there every day in the outfield. What's it kind of like, you know, having that pressure behind you now? No, it's I don't I don't even like to see it as pressure because it I got to see how it pushed other people. So when I was playing, I mean, I I'm not you know blowing smoke up on my butt, but I like when I was a freshman, I'd power shag. That's the big thing in the outfield, right? Run around twenty four seven, catch as many balls, and I was reckless. Like I got hurt doing it all the time. Like I, I did, and that's but that that pushed guys like Levi Usher and Luke Brown, and even Cam Masterman, Trey Leonard. Those are the guys that were playing in front of me as freshmen. So like I know they're gonna work hard and push me because once you start getting on your heels, once you start getting comfortable, like that's the comfortable is not a good place to be when you're playing with, you know, 50 dudes at all one spot. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's a blessing, honestly. Like I, I love the competition, but I know I'm also making them better too. So no matter what happens, like it's, it's a, it's a win-win. So now that we're kind of in the swing of things in the fall season a little bit, you guys have been working out a couple of scrimmages here. Uh, who's somebody who's maybe not on the radar yet, maybe a younger guy, a transfer, who's somebody that could have a, a big impact on the team in 2024? Uh, I don't know if he's 
consider under the radar, but I, I like Sebastian, you know, Gringora came in and, you know, his, his first outing, you know, he doesn't say many words at all, but his first outing was, I just went out there and shoved for six in, or for two innings and you got six straight outs and I walked right off the mound and didn't say a word about it and just mind his own business. And I think I respect that the most because uh, coming in, like, it's just, it's hard to come into this place. Like it's, there's, like, you know, we're, we're ruthless, like out here, you know, we're, we push each other, we say some things, you know, and he just, he just ate it all, put it all aside and just did what he needed to do. And like, I, I respect, respect the crowd of guys like that. So I, I was, it was good to see him do what he needed to do. I like hearing that about Sebastian and that, and I'm not comparing him to it. So I don't hear that, but, I, but like Brendan McKay, when he'd walk off the mound, yeah. dude could go out there and throw a perfect game and he wouldn't even crack a smile. Right. Um, and yeah. that was just how he was, you know, yeah. he, you know, he just went out there and did his thing. Um, yeah. you know, he wasn't, wasn't super flashy. Right. Um, you know, wasn't going to show any emotion coming off the mound or anything, right. but, but damn, he was the best, you know, pitcher in the country that year. Right. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. Like it, so it reminded it, me a lot of, of kind of that. I know you, you all don't get to see him much like outside of the scenes, but you know, he, he's very to himself. So, seeing a little emotion out of him, seeing a little motion out of Riley Phillips. Like that was always like the most hype I ever got to see like a little bit of a screen. Yeah. Yeah. And take Keener the same way coming off the mound a couple of times after a big strike. I mean, that dude would go crazy from the mound until he got to the dugout. <laughs> right. And that was, that was expected out of him. That's why <laughs> that was the thing. I knew that was coming. Yeah. And he wore that on his sleeve. You knew it was coming from As him. Should, right. I agree. Yeah. Uh, so just kind of take us through this fall. I mean, you all got some exciting stuff going on. The NCAA, you know, the past couple of years has allowed some fall scrimmages. Yeah. You all got Xavier and Purdue coming up. Just yeah. as a as a player, do you all like those fall scrimmages? What do you what do you feel like you get out of those? Just how do how do you feel about those overall? Yeah, I like I I definitely I, I definitely like the fall scrimmages against other opponents. I think uh, with the amounts of fall scrimmages we do inter squad. And playing the same guys every day and it's your own teammates, you don't quite get the competitive edge of playing that, you know, the other team. Yes, we like to push each other and we can chirp each other a little bit. And that's what gets us fired up. But that's it's nothing like having a loss under your belt if you lose a scrimmage. I mean, if you if you're on the red team and the black team wins, like, yeah, it sucks. But you got it the next day, like playing a different opponent. It's always, you know, it's it's a different it's a different game. So now I'm excited for it. And I think all the guys are, too, just to get a different different jersey across us. And it's a good opportunity, you know, for you all. You know, you got different pieces in the outfield this year. You got different pieces in the infield this year. There's probably going to be different uh, lineups that Coach Mack throws out there. That's what he's done for the past 15 years. Yeah. So it's just a good opportunity to not, you know, go out there. And if, if, if it's not the right lineup, you don't take a loss. You know, who cares if you lose a scrimmage to Purdue in October? That's right. You know, no, no one remembers. Right. So it, it's just a good opportunity to get out there, get on the field, and compete against other guys. Always, yeah. So beyond that – I know you all are going to take the trip down to the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. Have you have you been down there before with Score International? Is this going to be your first trip? This first time out of the U.S., just the States. Okay. <laughs> okay. I know Coach Mack tries to go every couple of years, but I, I didn't know if you got to go on the last trip um, or not. So with it being your first time out of the United States and going down yeah. there, what are you looking forward to about that trip? You know, I, I'm pushing all baseball things aside. Yes, I, I'm going to love the competition of playing against guys that are, you know, 16 to 35. And, you know, that that's just going to be fun. And 
but I, I think the community service part about that, like really is, is going to be life changing. Like I've seen the pictures, I've heard the testimonies from some of these guys and just being in a community where, you know, things aren't, I'm not saying they're handed to us, but just being in an environment where it's a little bit easier to access these things. Like, I think, I think it's going to, I think not just for me, I think the whole team is going to really appreciate and respect it. And for those not familiar, they they take a trip. With, it's called SCORE International's Ministries. They go down every fall, every November, they go down there. And Louisville baseball team, they typically go once every four or five years. I think there's limitations on how often they can go. Um, but they get to go down there and scrimmage, and but they also do some community service work. So it, it's just a really good um, opportunity for, I think, you all, the coaches. And there's been former Major League Baseball players and coaches. You know, Ron Polk, I think, has been down there. Andy Pettit's been down there. You know, a, a lot of guys go just to give back to the baseball community, even though it's not right here on our turf, but just to get back down there and help out those guys in the Dominican Republic. So I think, I think it, hopefully you all have a good time and get to compete down there and um, give back to the the local people in Dominican. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, JT, I think that's all we've got for you this evening. We really appreciate you uh, jumping on with us and spending some time with us. Hopefully coach Mack and Vrabel and the coaching staff isn't too hard on you this fall. Oh, give yeah. you a couple of days off. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's, yeah. It's all good. <laughs> all it's right, JT. Good. Well, we look forward to watching you, uh, the scrimmages this fall and following along next season and hopefully get this squad back to Omaha where they belong. Oh yeah. Yes, sir. We'll see you then too. How about that? All right. Thanks JT. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. We just want to thank JT Benson for coming on this evening. I know there's a lot going on. It's fall ball ramping up and school and all that good stuff. So just appreciate him spending some time with us. Same with Caden McClure last week. And I think we have a lot of excitement coming up with this series that we have the off-season diamond dialogues we're going to have some more current players some future players we're going to try to get some more of the former guys now that baseball's starting to wrap up we'll have a better chance to get some of the the major leaguers and those guys on so more to come there don't want to promise anything yet until we have anybody signed sealed and delivered but i think we're going to have a lot of content that you all are going to want to pay attention to this fall so Super excited about, about that. Really excited about following what Tyler Fitzgerald can do to end the season in San Francisco. Just really pumped for him, letting him live out his childhood dream of getting to play for the Giants and play professional baseball. So excited to see what he does this evening and over the last couple weeks of the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped for him. Like I said earlier, it's an exciting time to be a baseball fan. You know, the, postseason is coming up Tyler Fitzgerald is here I wouldn't be surprised you know like I said there's a couple cards that I thought could debut this year and I don't you know now that there's two weeks left you don't really don't really know if, if there's you know too much of a window left but I would still wouldn't be surprised if we saw maybe one or two more come up I know if anyone does get called up I know where to go we all know where to go, but remind us one more time, Aaron, where can we find all that information? Yeah, you can follow all the pro cards uh, happenings on Twitter at Louisville Baseball Alumni Report. And you can find me on Twitter at Matt Sefcovic and at cardchronicle.com until we get together next time for the third rendition of the off-season Diamond Dialogues. In the words of Sean Moth, we'll see you at the ballpark.